Hare Krishna devotees, Dandavat Pranam, all glories to Srila Prabhupada and Guru Maharaj. Today we are so fortunate to have Her Grace Prema Padmani Mataji from India. Today Mataji will enlighten us on, on Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter... Uh, sorry, Canto 5, uh, Chapter 13, Verse 26. Uh, Hare Krishna Mataji, please take over the call. Okay, thank you. <coughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naranjeva Narutamam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udirayet Nashtaprayesho Bhadvesho Nityam Bhavadsevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Nishtiki Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Girim Tatrupatamaham Vande Shri Gurum Dinatarinam Paramananda Madhavam Shri Chaitanya Ishwaram Shrimad Bhagavatam Chapter 13, Text 26 in the matter of Rahu Gana converses with Dadabrat. Um, okay. Yahava iha bahu vita maha bhagavata tvaya bihita parokshena vachasa jiva loka bhavadva sahi arya manisha yakal pita vishayo nanjasa Yutpanna Luka Samadigama Atatad Evaitad Duravagamam Samavetanu Kalpena Nirdishyatham Iti King Parishit, King Parishit, then told to My dear Lord, O great devotee sage, your omniscient, you very nicely described the position of the conditioned soul who is compared to the merchant in the forest. From these instructions, intelligent men can understand that the senses of a person in the bodily conception are like rogues and thieves in that forest, and one's wife and children are like jackals and other ferocious animals. However, it is not very easy for the unintelligent to understand the purport of this story, because it's difficult to extricate the exact meaning from the allegory. I therefore request your holiness to give the direct meaning about by His Divine Grace, Sri Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Chai. There are many stories and incidents in Srimad Bhagavatam that are described figuratively. Such allegorical descriptions may not be understood by unintelligent men. Therefore, it's the duty of the student to approach a bona fide spiritual master for direct explanation. Om. <coughs> ओमध्यानक्रमेन्द्रस्य 
ஒருவன் The last verse that we read now, I mean, the verse for today talks about how, I mean, uh, Parikshit Maharaj is very grateful to Sukhatim Goswami and, um, uh, you know, all the description of the conditioned soul uh, who is like a merchant in the forest, he is just trying to trade and become happy. But the senses of a person in a bodily conception are like rogues and thieves in that forest because they are just plundering this person, forcing him to do all this and then the relatives are also considered to be like jackals because they are under their own senses and they are also exploiting others. So, so this is the essence of it just for us to become detached from the material life and uh, so with the stories and all that he has told about descriptions of the different things right yeah um, but ultimately what is most important is is given the methodology how to come out of this how to understand the constitutional position how do we become aware and uh, the Sukhadeva Goswami is telling in the previous verse, whoever takes shelter of the servant of the servant of the Lord is certainly glorified because he can, without difficulty, give up the bodily conception. Such an amazing thing, right? So much laden with uh, the truth, I mean, the secret of how to become self-realized. We struggle with our senses, struggle with our mind, struggle about how to control this you know ourselves and then how to be fixed in the uh, conception of being a servant of the lord servant of the devotees of the lord always be in a very service humble mood accepting everything always krishna conscious is struggling because the material world is totally opposite of that and then we have our own senses which are um like you for comparing it to the your the position of the conditioned soul who's identifying himself with the body who is compared to a merchant in the forest. So this, we will see, and yeah, because he is always trying to become happy by doing some kind of trade-off with others, right? I'll give you this, so you give me that. I'll try to scratch your back, so that you'll scratch my back. He is also exploiting.
because he wants his senses to be gratified he is actually all the time trying to uh, uh, do this through trading off with people isn't it so uh, it is always like that the fruit of results whom you associate with whom you go i mean um, everything with this uh, conception of from from each person what will i get how can i um, be happy in this material world how can i satisfy all my senses and my mind and whoever helps me to do that is my friend and if he stops doing that maybe he did in the past but now he is not able to do or he stopped doing now my enemy so this is how much the more that we are very much attached to our bodies and sense gratification we don't even realize what a fruitive mentality we have about people every situation we are only trying to satisfy our senses and such a dangerous thing that we don't even and such a person even if you tell them what kind of a person are you you don't care for other people you are only thinking of maximizing your sense gratification they won't understand what's wrong with that because they are so much conditioned to thinking only about their sense gratification you have seen such people and the ex- extreme uh, case of that is a narcissistic people who, are, who can only think of themselves all the time and so uh, you know and then everybody gets disgusted because they just cannot care about others and the caring comes when we progress in spiritual life when we actually um, understand I'm not the body and I'm the soul so you think that what is this bodily sense gratification it hardly matters I'm getting a higher taste a higher happiness and in only and in that um, uh, understanding what happens is we become compassionate to others who are lost in trading off like this you know who's only uh, trying to squeeze out some sense gratification or the other and once wife and children are like the jackals and other ferocious animals imagine wife and children are supposed to be very dear to the uh, 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 dear to a person but in the bhagavatam is telling us they are like jackals and thieves rogues and thieves in the forest oh sorry um and once wife and children are like jackals and other ferocious animals it seems rather uh, too uh, you know harsh a comparison but why is it said that because actually when you see from a absolute platform this is just you see especially nowadays you know you find the children are demanding whatever they want they want and then if they don't the parents don't give and they threaten or uh, you know or they create a big uh, uh, you know a tantrum and um, they disobedient and giving so much harassment family members make you suffer sometimes either it's the children or the wife or the husband or the whoever it is in the uh, family is doing atrocious things because they are a victim of their senses or they uh, take to all uh, bad habits and because of that they are a cause of suffering for the family and they don't even realize they think what's wrong i want to be happy how can you stop and they get very angry if somebody and they, they don't help them suppose they need money to buy whatever it gives them happiness you know the you know drugs or um you know whatever intoxicants 
and they demand that because you're connected to me and the uh, through family, you better satisfy my senses. So they are only thinking in those terms. So then they become like jackasses, ferocious animals because they eat you up. They make your life so miserable. So whatever the Bhagavatam says, it's not at all a, a you know exaggeration, or you shouldn't think that they are being unrealistic and unnecessarily harsh. After all, you know, families are meant to be giving love and all that. That love is as long as your senses are gratified. They say, oh, my brother, my sister. The minute there is some, the thing, like sometimes in families, there is some property issue and somebody wants to take away the uh, um, rightful heir of the, I mean, uh, share of the other person also. Why should they do that? They can share, isn't it? But uh, this is the kind of uh, scenes which happen. And then, um, so then there is a lot of... Uh, whatever, fights and court cases and sometimes murders just for sense gratification. So what is that so-called love? And that is why Bhagavatam calls the bluff and tells us the truth and we should be ready to accept the truth. Because then what happens, we are awakened and we understand we are not the body and we are the soul. And in that platform, we can really love our family members. Okay, we can think that actually all of them are souls and what to do? They're all conditioned, they've got all the previous life's karmas with them. And somehow Krishna has made them become my family member. So, I should help them to spiritually progress. Actually, Krishna's intention is only that. He puts people into family so that, okay, they can enjoy without him. Thinking I've got my this one and that one and they are this object of my love. I mean, we are substituting them for Krishna. And Krishna says, okay, you want to substitute others for me? Okay, try it out. And then, but nobody is satisfying like Krishna. They're all very unreliable. And uh, so, and uh, also, anyway, it's temporary also. So uh, that's why the soul, and Krishna is always there. He's always watching out. Whom can I pull? All these difficulties that he creates, these big dramas which happen in our lives, are Simply, Krishna is watching, okay, among all these people, who are the ones who are right for me to pluck and take me, take them back to Krishna? So that is how we have to see every situation. And if we can see it in that objective way, then we will not be disturbed also. Then even if, uh, you know, we will know how to respond. Suppose somebody is making unreasonable demands and that's not good for them, not for you. You can refuse. Sorry, I cannot do that. That's it. You have to be firm. And sometimes, if it's your close family member, then you feel bad to make them, you know, you feel hurt when they get uh, upset about you not wanting to help them and they go into a rage or whatever, emotionally upset and think you don't love them. And then they blackmail you emotionally like that. But one who is spiritually enlightened will not fall victim to that. You should not. It may be difficult to say no sometimes. But we have to become strong and say no because then it is good for them spiritually. They will grow up. They will, uh, some, we can pray for them and uh, pray to Krishna, please, and you know, help my uh, whoever is close to us and then they're going to... Uh, to uh, so first Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, you become Janma Sarsakari Kari Karu Paro Upakar. First, you make yourself perfect, then you can help others also. So, that is our first duty. 
the first duty in our life is to perfect ourselves, come to the spiritual understanding. Until then, there is only suffering and misery. Sometimes, okay, you feel you're happy. Sometimes, sad. But in, even in that happiness, it is only illusory happiness and it's only temporary. So really speaking, it's shifting sands. It's not permanent. How can we... You know, the person who is happy now is always thinking, oh, he'll, he'll also be going to the astrologers to check how long will this good time last. Because it, we know one after the other, like winter and summer seasons, they keep coming and going. And an intelligent person will think that, why am I subjecting myself to these kinds of ups and downs? I want to be permanently happy without all this ups, uh, you know, highs and lows. I just want to be in a state where I'm not disturbed by that. Even the highs are disturbing, right? Because we are not able to concentrate on doing our work properly or we can't be realistic about situations, very rose-tinted ones. And when we are happy, we think the world is a fantastic place, uh, you know, and that is also unrealistic. It's not so. Or when we are uh, suffering, then we think the world is horrible. We only see the negative side. So we want to be in an equilibrium. That is the happy state where you can be happy also, uh, but not too much. I mean, you you can you can be happy without being disturbed, and the sorrow, little bit it will affect us, but then we can ignore it also. So how do we reach the stage? Only when we understand. Uh, I'm not this body, but that alone is not enough. Impersonalists also understand I'm not this body, but then they lose all, um, you know, cap capacity to give love. Have you ever seen an impersonalist being loving to people? He will be very detached. He won't talk to people. He will be uncaring. Okay, they do. Also, impersonalists, they do a lot of social service. They start hospitals and, um, you know, charitable institutions. But in their dealings, because um, they only know that I'm not the body, so I should not be attached. But what about showing spiritual attachment? That can come only because spiritually we are attached, very, very hopelessly attached with Krishna. And because we substitute Krishna with all the other living entities in this world, that is why we are suffering. But love should be there. The love for Krishna is true and eternal. And only because we are not writing the, uh, I mean, loving the right person, we are getting into a problem. That doesn't mean you should stop loving. Now the impersonalists come to the conclusion that love itself is bad. I'm suffering because of love. You're not suffering because of love. You're suffering because of loving the wrong person. The person you should love is only Krishna. And that reflection of the love will fall on all others. If you love Krishna, you'll automatically... Uh, love everyone else because everyone is connected with Krishna and they will also love you because you become lovable because of when we go, go, go close to Krishna then we develop his beautiful qualities right it's like you go to fire you also become warm you chant Hare Krishna mantra you are going towards uh, Krishna and so you also develop Krishna like qualities and his oldness Jatak Swami who is in Bangalore right now and he was telling how, uh, one Mataji asked, you know, um, how can we preach when we ourselves are not, you know, purified? So he said, yes, first you should purify yourself and then preach. 
So she said, but how do we, how can I purify myself? He said, you, you cannot purify yourself. The holy names will purify you. So holy name is Krishna. It is like, if, if our body is dirty, how can we clean ourselves? By ourselves we can't. We pour water and we put, uh, you know, the cleansing agent, whatever, and then it gets clean. In the same way, we cannot purify ourselves. A holy name we are chanting and Krishna purifies us. And so then he said, yes, you have to purify yourself to at least some level by which, you know, your words, unless you are strong, Unless you have something, then only you can, you'll be in a position to tell others also, convince them. Whatever you have experienced, then it's, see, once you, you've undergone some transformation, then if you just share your transformation with others, then they will also be attracted. Hey, this person has got so much transformation, I also want to get, okay, tell me. You can see, whatever you have experienced very strongly, like you went to a particular doctor, and you, he really, you, and what will you do? You'll go and tell the whole world, this doctor is fantastic. He did such a good job with me. And all the others will also, oh, really? Okay, I'll also go to the doctor. That's all. He doesn't have to, uh, you know, tell about uh, what is medicine, what is this doctor, what has he studied, how, what are diseases, and how diseases can be cured. Why do they need to know all that? Everybody's got medical problems, health issues. You tell them, I went to this doctor, I had such a horrible problem, but then he cured me and I'm so happy now. Oh, really? I will also go. That's all. Transformation. If we have gone through, then you don't have to speak so much philosophy. You can just see, see me, I was like this, and now you see me, this is what I am. And people say, yeah, such a big change. Oh, please tell me, I also want to join. Uh, you know, Krishna Consciousness. So, that is why we have to get the transformation. And the transformation happens because direct process we have. You put your hand close to the fire, you become warm. You don't have to know what are the properties of the fire. No, that is also additional thing we need to know. Otherwise, we'll be like children, you know, who don't know what is fire and what are the properties of fire, that all that, it might, um, you know, that, that's dangerous. So, we need to know. But, to first have a direct, uh, you know, impression or direct experience of what is fire. You just go there. Even a child can just take the hand near the fire and it will know that it's getting hotter and hotter. So at one particular uh, level, I should stop going uh, too close to the fire and then I'll be bombed. That's it. So it is direct perception. And that's when the ninth chapter, Krishna says, that, uh, about the bhakti, he says, Pratyabhyam Bhagamam, Pratyabhyam Bhagamam, and uh, it is, uh, you know, realized knowledge. You actually experience, and it is joyfully. Susukam Kartum Abhyayam, and it's full of happiness, Krishna consciousness. That is why it's so attractive, because it's not just philosophy. Pratyabhyam Bhagamam, Pratvadhyam, Susukam Kartum Abhyam, Bhagamam, Bhagamam, Dharmyam, Susukam Kartum Abhyam. So, it is direct perception and also uh, you become happy by doing Krishna Consciousness. So, that is why it's easy. 
to come out of this this kind of you know much being a merchant in the forest and being attacked by jackals it makes you depressed oh what is this material world oh i mean you feel uh, you feel very morose and depressed is there any hope or this is all i'm born here but should i always be unhappy because of that what do i do to become happy because that is what we are looking for ultimately whatever work you're doing ultimately if you see why you're doing that to get happiness isn't it you go um, why are you studying you're studying so that you'll get a degree why you why do you want a degree so that you'll get a job why do you want a job because you want money why do you want money because you can buy so many things why do you want to buy so many things so that you can impress others right and then um okay impress others and then also get married and children why do you want all these things because i want to be happy so actually in the full chain the objective all the difficulties but that we endure is simply to become happy and that happiness you say you can get um my dear king whoever takes shelter of the servant of the servant of the lord is certainly glorified because he can without difficulty give up the bodily conception how do i mean we are not in the kaliyuga and we are not ready to go to some forest give up the bodily conception because if i stay on in the city i keep like constantly i'm reminded i'm the body everybody is acting like they're the body now how i can alone think i'm the soul so i live leave this and i'll go to the forest and there's nobody there so i can just close my eyes and think i'm the soul it's just easier said than that uh, you know to do that but very easily you just take shelter of the real servant of the lord or servant of the servant of the lord so that is who who gets described properly in that position who is a servant we know best is our starting from our guru okay uh, i mean of course prabhupada our shiksha guru and our um most uh, you know founder acharya the best of servants of the lord we are so fortunate to have prabhupad as our uh, you know grandfather guru or shiksha guru and founder acharya and who's giving us all this knowledge so we can uh, glorify him and serve him and then his servants those of us who are all grand disciples most of us so uh, our own gurus if we become servant of them if we worship them every day if we glorify them we follow their instructions and that is a very powerful method to remove all the obstacles in our life very easily to so obstacles in spiritual life obstacles in material life so many things are troubling us and we don't know where to go pillar to post a flying who help me so many people may help us but it is all through the guru's mercy without the guru even for spiritual um this thing you know like um, we were asking uh, also the question to ulnesh jagat swami how can the worship of guru help in uh, advancing in spiritual life and he said because guru comes in the the guru parampara so you get connected to krishna through the guru parampara so guru is the link and it is shastra say that if without the guru even the holy name will become nishpal or 
you know, it will not have the power. When, that is why we take it, no, Diksha means that we are already chanting Hare Krishna Mantra. So why should we receive it from the Guru? We are already chanting. Because it gets more power. He is chanting and whatever his realizations are, his uh, relationship with the Lord are, all that he is giving it to us. We can earn it just like a child inherits the, you know, the property of the father, everything. I mean, also the DNA and, and all whatever qualities he has, he inherits, inherits from his father. In the same way, father and mother. And in the same way, Krishna is our father and mother. And, uh, and uh, the Guru is his servant. And uh, so by serving Guru, Guru is also like a father and mother for us because he's the representative of Krishna. Actually, because we cannot see Krishna directly, the Paramatma directly. And so what does he do? He um, sends is the representative. Oh, this is the person. Now you take shelter of him. And whatever we want to ask Krishna, we want a relationship, right? We want, everybody wants uh, somebody just like Arjuna was guided by Krishna. I want Krishna to be always guiding me. And, you know, Krishna was protecting Arjuna. Even he didn't even ask for it. He was sleeping and Arjuna would wake him up and say, Arjuna, you're sleeping. Do you know what Duryodhana is planning over there? They're, tomorrow they're trying to put to death by, you know, some mantras. They uh, got these uh, arrows and already. Arjuna said, Krishna, when you are there, how, why I should worry? I'm very tired. I'm going to sleep. Went off to sleep. He was not even worried. That is the level of care that Krishna gives. And, but we are unaware of that, right? Paramatma. We are not connected to him. And so, out of compassion, somebody who can represent him properly, he chooses and says, yeah, this is your the Acharya. Right? You follow him and you'll come back to me. You'll come be connected again to me. So, the Acharya, when we take him as Sakshat Dharitvena, is the representative of Krishna and he follows his instructions, then by following properly, serving him properly, then you get connected to Krishna. That is how powerful it is. And in this, uh, you know, in among the, the Sri Sampradaya, the, you know, in Tirupati, you, when you go there, you can see there is a garden which was main, maintained by Anantacharya. And Ramanjacharya's time was like thousand years ago, thousands uh, or uh, ten centuries back. So, that time, once uh, Ramanjacharya was giving class in Sri Rangam. And, um, you know, he was, um, uh, while he was speaking, he was also, there were tears flowing from his eyes. And so, the, all the disciples asked him, Gurudev, why are you crying? So when Gurudev said, I mean, Ramanjacharya said that, see, you know, I was suddenly reminded of Balaji. He is there on Tirupati, on Tirmala hills, all alone, nobody to make even a garland for him. There was some priest there who was just cooking and offering, some little small worship, simple worship was going on. But he, imagine, he's staying in the hills with such beautiful forested trees and nice flowers all growing, but nobody to pluck and make beautiful garlands for him. And I think of that, I feel so sad. And then he said, which of you can do that? Can go live there, cultivate the garden and make flowers for Balaji. 
how all the <laughs> devotees put on their head. I mean, it's a, like far away, alone you have to go and they didn't want to leave Sri Rangam. Some of them were attached to um, the Sri Ranganatha and uh, some of them were attached to Ramanjacharya. They didn't want to leave and go. So in this way, everybody kept quiet. Then Anantacharya, Ananta, uh, so he said, Gurudev, I will go. And, uh, you know, all the other disciples were very surprised. Ananta, you've got a, I mean, your wife is pregnant now. How you will climb all the hills and go there? He said, now is the time to go because once the baby is born, how I can carry the child and that will be more difficult. Better I go now only. Because Gurudev wants. So for this sake, he just takes his wife also. And even though it's a big difficult, those days, no vehicles, nothing. You have to walk it up. He and we know we have to cross seven hills to reach Balaji on top. And uh, he reached there and very, um, you know, scrupulously, he started immediately work. He started cultivating the garden. He grew beautiful flowers. Every day he would make garland and go give it to the priest. And then he thought in the summer months, water is not enough. So let me dig a lake, uh, you know, a small lake so that the water will be stored and even in the summer months the flowers can grow very nicely. So for that there was no labor and either he found out who can help me and all that. But I myself should do this is my service to uh, following the instructions of my Gurudev. He was first and foremost very dedicated to the instructions of Ramanjacharya. My Guru wants me to do that so I am going to do that. This is my service to my Guru and he started digging up with his crowbar and he would put it in a basket and give it to his wife you know, uh, to go and throw this mud in a, uh, another place and then come back with the empty basket again he would fill it up with mud and to take it on her head and go and she was pregnant she was actually it was very difficult for her but slowly she was walking he thought that is also her seva so they were getting the spiritual ecstasies out of it and then what happened when small boy came there and he told um, Anantacharya, you know what, let me help you. I am a young boy. I can do even much faster and it's not much, it's not difficult for me. Let me do, please. So Anantacharya said, just go out of here. Don't, don't snatch my service. I, this is my service to my Guru Maharaj, so you cannot do it. And he sent him away. Then he goes to the wife and says, see mom, he pulls the you know, basket and says, mother, you should not be straining yourself like this. You be here. I will go and throw it and come. He says, no, no, no. My husband will get very angry and I cannot do this. He says, no, no, you just hide here. I'll quickly throw the other side and come. And you go and collect the mud and come and give it to me here. I'll go through and come. So she had to agree because her boy was insistent. And there Anantacharya could threaten him and all that, push him away and give some fierce, harsh words. But mother is, you know, soft and she, and anyway, she was also, it was very strenuous for her. So she thought, okay. And um, he went and threw and he, she would take the basket. Then husband got a suspicious. How come you're coming back so soon? Before you used to take so long and now you're coming back very fast. What's the secret? So she said, no, one boy, you know, he came and he offered his services. Ah, he got mad. That same boy, I showed him away from here and he's come and he's grabbing our service. So he went there and chasing that boy, but the boy was too fast. 
So then Anantacharya, you know, he threw the crowbar on at him. And the crowbar struck his chin slightly. I mean, not very hard, but this grazed his chin. And then the boy ran into the inside the temple. Then Anantacharya went back and then he made the flower garland. While he was making, Balaji, the Lord, he told the priest, go and call Anantacharya, I want to speak to him. So he sent some message messengers you know, to go and tell Anantacharya, the Lord is uh, calling you, please come. He said, tell the Lord I'm busy making garlands for him, I cannot come now. So he goes and tells the Lord this. Then the Lord says, the garland can wait, I'm urgently, I want to speak to him, call him. So you go and tell him, the Lord, uh, you know, the garland can wait, but you go there because Lord wants you urgently. He says, see, I'm doing the, I'm following the instructions of my Guru. My Guru told me to make garland for the Lord, so I'm making, I cannot come, you tell him. So, in this way, he just completely refused, he disobeyed the Balaji and he was sitting and making the garland and once he finished the garland, he went and gave it to the priest and then he didn't want to go and face the Lord. So, <coughs> he just turned and he was about to leave the temple, that time the Lord called him, Hey Anantacharya, why you don't, you don't even want to see me? So then he felt so bad, he turned and he saw that the chin of the Lord was bleeding. There was blood coming from his chin. And so Anantacharya, you know, he felt very bad. He said, why is his chin bleeding? Why is blood coming from the Lord? Then he realized, oh my God, I threw the crowbar. And it hit this chin of that boy. And so it was the Lord himself who had come to, to help me. And he felt so bad. He just fell flat on the ground and begged the Lord, you know, I'm so bad, I disobeyed you, I hit you, I'm so cruel, I'm such a horrible devotee, and so on. And then quickly, you know, he asked the Lord, how can I stop this blood from, you know, coming from your chin? So then the Lord said, okay, you get the gopi something and you put it there, it will stop. So that is why, in memory of that pastime, even now they put... You know, on the chin of Balaji, you have seen the Gopichandan, white color on the chin, of course, the Tilaka and the Gopichandan on the chin. But the biggest takeaway is how much the worship of the Guru has given predominance. Even in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya, they, uh, you know, the same things that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu emphasized, that is, surrender to the Guru and uh, service attitude and uh, humility, all these qualities were very much emphasized by Ramanjacharya. And simply by following the Guru, one can overcome all one's weaknesses, obstacles, so many difficulties in life, simply by having faith. Because the Guru is the representative of Krishna. And just like all the Devatas are present in the body of Krishna, similarly, because he's a representative of Krishna, by worshipping the Guru, you're satisfying all the Devatas also at the same time. You don't have to specifically, like, you know, some uh, in pujas and all. That is also mentioned in the nectar of devotion. You can worship Ganesha before you start something. That's not against, because he's the Pratham Puja. 
But in our, uh, in Iskon, what we do, we just take shelter of the Guru uh, and uh, then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Panchatattva Mantra and then Hare Krishna. That includes everyone, everything. So that is how, uh, how easy Bhakti Yoga becomes. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given it to us in such a wonderful capsule that the whole Bhagavad Gita has given how to come out of at least the first six chapters, all the parts by which you can understand you're not the body and you're the soul. And in Karma Yoga it is mentioned how you should do work without having fruit of uh, desires. That means you do work uh, without thinking about the result and not being attached to Karma Nevadikarasi, Ma Faleshu Kadachana. Don't be attached to the results. Ma Karma Pala Heturbhu. Don't even think that you are the cause of the results, not even ego gratification. And at the same time, oh, then I won't get, then I should not be attached to this or that. Then, okay, I'm going to be lazy. I will not work so hard. That is also not correct. So, we have to work for the sake of satisfying Krishna. Everything should be done with a mood of pleasing Krishna. Then, that's it. We'll get self-realization and, um, and God-realization. Because in the ninth chapter also, Krishna himself says, Yad Karosi, Yad Juhoshi, Yad Dadasi, no, Yad, uh, yad Karosi, Yad Juhoshi, Yad Dadasi, Yad Ashnosi, Dadasi, Yad, Yad Tapasyasi Kaunti, Yad Whatever you eat, whatever you do, whatever you give away, whatever austerities you perform, whatever you do, do it as an offering unto me. That is all. We have to connect with Krishna also in the picture. We should just remember Krishna and then we will do everything in the right perspective, right mood. As a, or, you know, uh, we do it with a proper intention of doing everything very nicely that Krishna may be pleased. That is the secret, right? And that happens, sometimes it's difficult to remember Krishna all the time because we haven't seen him yet. Only, in, Yeah, we see him in the deity form, but we have not heard him talk. He's talking through the Bhagavad Gita, but it's easier to remember Guru because he's representative. We can talk very, uh, you know, uh, we have talked, like we have seen him talking to us, giving us instructions, listening to us one-on-one. -on -one. So it's remember. I mean, it's easier to remember him and to say, no, I have to do everything so that, you know, I, I can give a good report to the Guru. Even without giving report, Krishna gives reports to the Guru. <laughs> we don't know sometimes. We may think, oh, Guru may not know about me, but he knows. <laughs> Whatever needs to be known, he knows. Krishna is giving him. They both are working as a team. And uh, so, and Krishna is very happy when we just take shelter of Guru as a representative of Krishna. Not as independent, I mean, we should not think that gurus become Krishna, that is Mayavadi. Like, um, the, you know, this um, Swami Narayan group. They worship their guru only as Narayana. They made, I mean, actually the guru never told them that I am Narayana. But after he passed away, they made guru only Narayana, Swami Narayana. And they, in their temples first as you enter, you see the guru's murti only big, Swami Narayana. And all... Narayana, Lakshmi Narayana and others are all in the side. Side means not even in the, as soon as you enter, just in the corridor as you are going around, you will see them also. 
But the main deity is huge. That is wrong. That is my other philosophy. We do not equate Guru with Krishna, but as a representative of Krishna, as a servant, uh, Savior Bhagavan. He is serving Krishna, and but he is a Bhagavan. The same way we treat Bhagavan, we treat Guru. Then, and that is it. Because he can, without difficulty, give up the bodily conception. We can make all spiritual progress uh, through that. So that is the seva, which is seva bhav, which is very very important. And he was also, you know, humorously mentioning in Kaliuga uh, uh, how people take to Krishna consciousness. They're not very serious, but what is that shock treatment? One uh, man, one devotee, is uh, he had cancer. And so he was uh, admitted in the hospital and his wife had always told him, please chant, please read. He'll say, no, later, later. And even now he was thinking, I'll get cured now after that, okay, because not now. So he was just, now I'm not well and all that. He was giving all excuses. And uh, so then, take what happened through the wall, you know, two Yamadutas came. Because the Yamadutas, you might think I'm very protected, you know, there is no wind, and the window is closed, the door is closed, I'm in the hospital, oh, everybody is there. But the Yamadutas don't need any such thing, they just entered through the walls, fierce looking Yamadutas with, you know, ropes made of leather, so, you know, hard, I mean, so um, powerful, so strong, and they were going to bind his soul up. Pull him. They came with such fearful uh, this thing, and then this man, he got scared, and he said, "Please, please, please, don't, don't take me. I don't want to go." So they left. After they left, then you know, immediately called for his wife. Please, please come, get me all my, get me the beef, get me the beef bag, get me Bhagavad Gita. I'm, I'm going to chant every day and read Bhagavad Gita. So, what others could not achieve on the devotees, it's a true incident. Um, what and the wife told this person, what she is all the devotees and she could not achieve to manage to make him a devotee, but the Yamadutta managed. <laughs> so, we have to work in uh, tandem with the Yamadutta. Whoever is giving us a hard time, Yamadutta, please come and <laughs> put some little, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, because when people see that, uh, you know, there have been many instances where people have observed. There was one maid servant in Chennai, she told a devotee. Then, you, you know, she had, she died and the family had kept her on a funeral, uh, this thing, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, crematorium. She was there and they were about to light the fire and then that, luckily it was not an electrical um, thing. Crematorium, because that they just push it inside and you won't know anything, you can't see them. But here, they were about to light the fire and then they saw that her hands were moving. So they stopped and then they got terrified. Oh, then she got up and she said, Oh my God, you know what? The Yamadutas took me to have a first glance of the hell and then they brought me back. Now I want to become very, very serious. I'll become a devotee. Please tell me how to chant. How to, you know, become a devotee. So, actually in the Garuda Puran, it's mentioned that when a person, that is a materialist, he gives up his life, the first thing that happens is the Yamadutas quickly take them to show what is the 
hell is like this is where you go to come and then they bring him back and then the soul so the soul is still attached to the body right attached to all the family members and all that and so the family the shrad ceremony is being done for the uh, next 12 days the 13th day then it uh, the glow the uh, the soul i mean the uh, subtle body develops uh, gets a human form you know uh, because the gross body is gone and the subtle body is just covering the soul and the subtle body has to become like a human being because he is going to be given a first class treatment in the hell so the 12 days it assumes a form and 13th day he goes with the yamaduta so so then um, what happened was so like this there is one more instance uh, you know one lady Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I will. Uh, I request all the people to keep your phones on mute. You can hear the music in the background. Thank you, Hare Krishna. this way the yamadutas and there is one more instance of a lady in delhi you know she also uh, went through the same thing and uh, she was uh, actually she was put in a vaitarni river you know there is vaitarni river which is uh, which is like a moat surrounding the yamaraj uh, city you know and the hill and he is in a big palace and all that next to that is chitragupta and so on and this vaitarni river is filled with you know blood and pus and mucus and all horrible things stool and urine and one is if he is a very simple person he is thrown into that and it's horrible and you have to swim through that and um, and what do the yamadutas are taking them the soul they will lift them up and then dump them again dump them in that thing again lift them up so it's hellish and so she was <coughs> there in the Vaitalni river, it's not that sometimes in the same fifth and so you will come across all that now. Okay, after the drill, uh, towards the end, right? Subterranean hellish planet, the last part of this canto. So, um, while she was, <coughs> she was really suffering and at that time, she saw a lady dressed in white who was just passing by and then she came to her and she said, come i will take you back if you want to go back to your body i will take you back so she readily goes and she said who are you but she said i am uh, i am the personification of satsang so because you attended satsang i come she said who oh, i never went for a satsang actually this lady she was always invited by devotees to attend satsang but she never she happily always she gave excuses not to go but finally one day she went to the satsang but soon after she went and sat there actually uh, she just painted and she uh, that's what she left the body and she came here and the personification of satsang said i came because at least you decided to attend the satsang 
So I'm coming to save you. And after she came, she came back to life. And then she said, I want to share this experience with others, and also tell them that how important it is to go for satsang. So in this way, we see that how spiritual life is so very important, and in this universe, there are so many servants of Krishna who are all working just to help us. to come out of our you know ignorance come out of our illusory uh, lives and then um, understand how the minute we understand actually i'm not even any of this all these experiences are all false actually i'm soul i'm connected with krishna and i'm a servant and there is some such wonderful happiness in serving krishna and then going back to god and imagine having krishna as one's most intimate associate <coughs> so that is the most wonderful happy news for everyone and uh, so this king rabukana was also so happy to converse with jad bharat actually he was being taken in the palanquin to go he was planning um, even though he was a king he wanted some spiritual knowledge and at that time kapila muni was there in bengal you know that's where his ashram was and he wanted to go there to get sankhya philosophy knowledge from him but on the way when uh, this one jadabharat was holding the palanquin and he said i am not I'm not this body i am not the fat not thin i am not uh, uh, this thing about weak or strong i am neither this nor that i am neither old nor young all this i am a soul and then rahuguna was amazed i wanted to have that knowledge only i am going there this man is already self realized why should i wait any longer why should i take more days to reach that place it just got down Stop! Stop! He told the palanquin bearer, and he jumped out of the palanquin, fell at the feet of Jadavarat. You are not an ordinary person. You are very self-realized. Please tell me. And that's how he had this wonderful conversation. And Jadavarat never opened his mouth with anybody, not even his father. But he gave such wonderful uh, explanations to Ravana and made him self-realized. So that is the value of. ஜோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோஷிதோ
हरे कृष्णा माता जी धन्यवाद प्रणाम थैंक यू सो मच फॉर टूडेज क्लास इट वॉज रियली वंडरफुल माता जी रिक्वेस्ट ऑफ दी कमेंट्स और एनी क्वेरी प्लीज गो है हरे कृष्णा माता जी धनवत प्रणाम गुरु महाराज माता जी वेरी वेरी एक्सपीरियंस क्लास यू वर डिस्कसिंग जस्ट नाउ अबाउट महाराज भूगुना एंड महाराज जड़ भारत वॉट डिड हाउ डिड महाराज रहुगुना गॉट सेल्फ रियलाइज I mean, what did Dard Bharat Maharaj said that really inspired him that he came off the palanquin and then uh, he surrendered to Dard Bharat? I missed that point. You said something, but I didn't get it. If no, what refer- happened was that Dard um, Bharat was sitting in his, uh, uh, you know, storm. His that where his brothers had put him there. He because he never conversed with anyone. It was like a jada, no? That uh, there is. Um, Uh, like a mad person whose uh, his brain is not i mean he's like <clears throat> dumb dumb and um you know uh, and an idiot he became like that he didn't want to converse with anyone so they said that you sit there as a scarecrow to frighten away the crows so that's where he was and meanwhile rahugana was passing by that side king rahugana and the palanquin bearers one of the palanquin bearers fell ill so they were in look out a search for a person who can substitute him and then they saw this um, jadabharat who looks strong tall well able bodied so they call, called him and to carry the palanquin they forced him so he started carrying but on the way what happened uh, he was seeing some ants on the ground then he would walk this way and that way you know he wouldn't walk straight if there was any ants on the straight path then he would put his foot the other way and then uh, so like that they were you know the king was being tossed up and down in the palanquin that is one thing it was became very shaky and also he was out of step with the other palanquin bearers that is another thing and he was delaying it because he was going slow then they also have to slow down in this way um, you know so the king rahugana got very angry but he was very sarcastic and he said oh you are a very uh, you know weak person you are a very old person and um, you know he was just being sarcastic because he wanted to say that jadavarat is the evil body is young and everything then why is he going uh, you know cannot carry the palanquin properly so he was saying that your body is uh, not at all stout and you're very um, old and such things so that time jadavarat started saying i'm i'm neither stout nor i'm thin i'm not old or young i'm not this or that because i'm not even this body i'm the soul he said like that i mean it was not just theory he actually because he was self realized and he said i am a soul i am not all this so that touched jadabar i mean rahugana king rahugana because he was going in search of this knowledge that is why he was very much uh, impressed so so that makes him realize that jadabharat uh, was not an ordinary person yes because he was talking on the platform of soul and because he was actually mm-hmm. insulting him and uh, being sarcastic with him and he was not at all disturbed 
and he said anyway i'm not even this body so only a self realized person can talk like that thank you so much my cousin for sharing so why did he come out of the pelan queen then why did he come out of what yeah he he left the pelan queen na and he came down yeah to get self knowledge from him that is why the whole conversation of this explanation happened because raghunath said you please guide me instruct me in spiritual life and <clears throat> so all this elaborate explanation he gave him an analogy of how material world is very bad. i mean you know it's a horrible place and it's not good to be attached and it's a, you have to uh you know be attached to krishna and do devotional service all this he explained to him through many analogies and stories and all that it is in what chapter of uh, fifth uh, no of the fourth canto uh fourth canto this um what we did now that is 13th chapter rahuguna converses with jadabara Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Mataji. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Mataji. Thank you so much for this wonderful class, and you explain so nicely with lot. many stories and pastimes of uh, anantacharya and dingli um, mata ji so it was so nice to hear from you mata ji hari krishna hari krishna thank you very much shri gurudev ji jai shri prabhat ji jai shri bhav samrancharj ki jai vanch karta tarbiya shikpa sindhu vive chapatanam pavane pro vaishnavi namo अनंत कोटी वैष्णवी जय श्रोपात की जय सर्वेश प्रेम पद्मिनी माता जी की जय हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण